Okay, what's good, Bristol? Yeah, back in action. Didn't dress properly, although it was 80-something degrees the first day I was here, so walked around town with a tank top. Felt great in my L.A. gear and not the shoes. Those are out now. Not a lot of dudes rock L.A. gear anymore. I mean, since since when? Like the 90s. Right. Actually, this is really weird because my brother, I have a brother who's, um, well, he's 28, and then I have another brother who's 17. Yeah, I know it's weird. And my youngest brother constantly texts me and our middle brother about rappers, right? He's pretty into rap, 17. And they'll be like, hey, have you guys heard of this guy? And it's always a yes. It's always a yes. Like, what are yes. some What are some names? Like, who, who are we talking It'll about? It'll be like Vince Staples, you know. It'll be like Jay Dilla, you know, if you guys listen to this stuff. And, like, my middle brother's a DJ. I mean, he's, I mean, he's not just a DJ. He's a music producer. All of his music is the stuff that you hear. On this podcast, Euphony at Euphony. He had to change the spelling of it, though, I think, because some registered trademarks. Better now, though. Yeah, it actually looks cooler now. It's E-U-F-O. Instead of the P-H. Yeah, yeah. And I, Fish kind of dominated the whole P-H thing anyway. So he'll constantly ask us all the time. So finally today, I was like, have you guys heard of Young MC? And my youngest brother just falls for it. He has no idea. He's like, no, is any good? I was like, yeah, I won his single at a dance contest in 89, which is a true story. Um. And that's what made me think of L.A. Gear, because that's, I think, the last time I remember anybody kind of being excited about Because L.A. Gear had a little, I think there was a little run there. There was a little push where L.A. Gear was acceptable. What are the years? Because I do, I'm 29, I do remember L.A. Gear. I also remember, like, FUBU. Yeah, FUBU had a longer run, and it went later than that. Like, FUBU wasn't around for us, by us. Yeah, FUBU had, like, uh, like, the FUBU jerseys, like the football jerseys. With Fubu on the back and the numbers. Yeah, I bought they also one. Had the weird shoes. I bought one as a joke. We used to wear as a joke. Yeah, you say that. No, no, no. Trust me. It was an early twenties kind of. Oh, I'm going to go out in my yellow Fubu tank, and it wasn't like a straight tank. It was one of those in between sleeves and tank thing. And the thing is, is everyone loved it. It was just showstopper. Yeah. But it was early twenties or slow. That guy, that guy's illegal. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just typed into Google "L.A. Gear Run." L.A. Gear on their own website probably wouldn't say, hey, this is when we were relevant. So um, I might want to just double check a picture here or two. Here's the plan for today's show. Peter Rosenberg, that's right, Hot 97 and New York ESPN affiliate and his new show on Complex, uh, once a week show, which I think is incredible. So he said he's only going to give me 15 minutes because he's getting right off the air at 7 and I know it's always bad whenever you text somebody else and say, hey, can, hey, what are you up to? Can you come on the show at 6? And he's like, I'm on the air till 7. I used to hate, I really used to hate when my agent would call me while I was on the air and be like, oh, I need to talk to you about something. I'd be like, you know, like I've been in 1 to 4 for a long time. <laughs> somebody would try to schedule a meeting for you. Oh, my God. that's Actually, I'm trying to think what's worse. If your agent, because it's not like I was on a bunch of different shows. I was on 1 to 4 for over 9 years. Yeah, very good run. So... At year seven, if you're my agent calling between one and four, and like a, one time I caught the guy and I picked it up because I saw his number and I'm like, what is he doing? And I'd be like, hey, you know, I'm on the area. He goes, yeah, yeah. I was hoping to just leave you a voicemail and he was totally lying. Like he just forgot. But yeah, when you have an office meeting scheduled internally at ESPN and it's an executive, like a decision maker and they go, hey, can you, can you meet at one thirty? And you go, oh my God, I'm doing awful here. Yeah, probably not a great look. But how did you handle that, though? I feel like you wouldn't handle that well. Did if you, it was a manager, about it um, after a while, after a few times, you'd be like, "All right, dude, come on, figure it out." No, basically, you handle it how anybody handles it in life. Is it somebody with a ton of juice, with a ton of say, somebody that matters? Then you just go, "Hey, you know, just a quick reminder, I'm on the air." If it's it's somebody that you probably you know already don't see eye to eye with, uh, you may say, "You know, it'd kind of be sweet if you knew what time my show was on." Um, so you know, you handle things how you handle things you you usually handle them not based on the action but the person that's doing it to you so that's that's usually i mean it didn't happen too much i do remember one time adnan was scheduled to fill in with me and we were having one of those town hall like talent meeting things on campus and it was those are always scheduled at one o'clock they were always scheduled right around one o'clock so i went to i was like oh for a decade on those things because i thought hey i missed a show once and that was for the last one um that was really odd timing for me but I remember Adnan was, I was pumped. It was an Adnan Thursday and we were going to do our thing. By the way, saw Lady Bird, much better film than some of the other films that won awards. Terrific writing. Love that script. And he said, you know, I'm not going to name who it is, but 
he was like, so I was in the hallway and so-and-so said, Hey, you, you, uh, you going to the town meeting tomorrow? He's like, no, I'm doing, you know, Rosillo's show, right? You know, I ever do every Thursdays. And the exec's like, get out of that. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Just the blatant disrespect. <laughs> and so he's like, I don't, I actually don't want to miss doing the show with Ryan. He's like, really? Oh, okay. All right. You're Whatever. lost, dude. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I knew, I knew that would be a no vote down the road somewhere. Um, but you know, look, these things are all moving parts and all these different things. The agent thing actually used to, used to annoy. Cause sometimes like, look, I understand how these guys, people are busy. People are busy at work, you know? And then you have some executives that are watching and constantly locked in, sending you emails during the show. Like, Hey, I like this. I didn't like this. Like it used to be bad when I was younger at first. Be like, Oh, don't do that again. You're like, dude, could you send me that email after the show? I still have two more hours to go. Yeah, don't 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 send the come to my office right after the show yeah, during right. the show. <laughs> yeah. Or don't come in during a I had somebody come in during a commercial break once being like, What did you just say? And then they were wrong about it. And I was like, What are you talking about? They're like, They're seeing on Yahoo Sports that you just said this. And I was like, All right, I, I'm I'm solo today, so let's just table this one to four Eastern, okay? Yep. Um, all right, so that is a big intro into what we're doing. So Rosenberg on Kanye's new thing, because I have a Kanye theory I want to share with him. And politically, Rosenberg's pretty much right down the middle. So we'll see what he thinks of my theory. A little sarcasm in that. I also want to hear from our resident millennial what he thinks of Yeezy's new one. Uh, I've listened to it three times now, which is super easy because it's seven songs. Say. It's 24 minutes. And then the big thing we'll do after Rosenberg is we're going to do... Can you put together a group of five active NBA players? So you got to be in the league right now, non-Warriors. You put five together that you think beats the Warriors. Or, better said, the best version of that team. The team that we can put together. So Sarudi and I have not told each other ours. We're saving it. We're doing it live. And I'm hoping, as we announce it on Twitter here, that we'll get a few from you. Maybe some people we missed. Maybe Kevin Durant at small forward. Okay. Not eligible. Not eligible. Not eligible. That's the old Van Pelt and I joke when we ranked the top five players at each position, and Durant's literally like Van Pelt's favorite player, and he left him off of his small forward list, and then when he left him off, he tried to argue that he was a power forward, and we were like, that's Serge Ibaka's position. It was, a, it was a tough one. It was his biggest miss maybe ever. And it's so simple to do. Like, I did a radio hit one year, and I think it was in Utah, and they go, who's your sixth man? I was like, oh, it's probably Ginobili again, because Ginobili's having a good season, and that was like the season he started every game. So, I look, I mean, it, it can happen. It can happen in the moment. But then it became kind of a running joke, because I think he did it like two other times, but Durant off the small four when he, like, I think he had Mello too. <laughs> now, this is still, this is before everyone hated Mello. Okay, speaking of hating things, everybody seems to hate this series so far. And I get it. It's really annoying if you're a Cavs fan because you feel like, okay, here we go again. And it's really annoying if you're the 28 other fan bases because I was going to send out a joking tweet like, by the way, just picking the Warriors in 2019. Although I'm not sure I'm ready to do that, by the way. But, well, yeah, yeah. well, I I think there'll be a fatigue thing at some point. Like, look, if, if Golden State had lost to Houston, Saruti, you know it's just that, you know what? They were a little over it. They were lackadaisical during the regular season. Bob Myers even admitted that with us on the show. And, you know, hey, this would be good. Now they'll be challenged. I could already read, I could write every single NBA preview warrior story for you last or two weeks ago. I could have done it. I could have told you everything. This is what Steph's going to say. This is what Durant's going to say. This is what Draymond's going to say if they're all coming back. But if they win this thing and they're two games away from it, championships are so hard, even with this big bill coming. And I do think the Warriors down the road will get creative with these four players. I believe that. I really do. But if they win it and they're two games away from doing that, you know, it's it's more likely that you just go, hey, championships are really hard, so we know we still have a really great chance. We're already the favorites to do this thing again. We'll worry about the tax bill instead of being, you know, sometimes you can be too creative where you cost yourself a ring, thinking you're actually setting yourself up for future rings. You can ask Jerry Krause that one of the Bulls. Actually can't anymore. Um, rest in peace. But that was his whole thing. When Like, that's a really weird story if you go back to that Bulls breakup. It's like, does Phil want to come back? And Jordan was doing these year-to-year contracts at the time for $30 million, which were insane at the time, but they were allowed to do it with him. Uh, it was it was what he was worth, clearly, if not more. But that was, like, the really weird thing they were doing with Jordan's deals. And then it was, wait a minute, we just won three in a row. Like, we all want to come back. And then Krause would argue, no, 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 you know, that was the problem with the Celtics. They held on to Larry and Kevin and Robert way too long. I don't want to have that happen. And then you go, well, wait a minute. 
first of all, it didn't work. It was a disaster. It was Eddie Curry and it was Tyson Chandler and then these other pieces and we're going to have all this cap space. But then the argument was that nobody ever wanted the Bulls cap space because they didn't want to follow Jordan. Then it was Eddie Robinson. It was Jalen Rose. The Jay Williams thing didn't work out. But when you start to do that clever, like I'm going to be really clever and get ahead of this, and you go, what if, what if the team you're breaking up would be the favorite to win another ring? Like how clever do you want to be here? And that's what I think is ultimately the Warriors thing. You yeah. seem you seem I'm getting criticized for saying that I don't go to you enough. When I'm in LA, I definitely don't go to you enough because well, I'm just in a room by myself. Pick my spots. I don't know. I the, the Bulls thing definitely ran short, but like this seems to be a financial issue. That's what you're, that's what you're saying. Like they, it's a financial thing if they can keep them together. Now, I do think it makes sense in the long run to, you know, maybe when we talked about this before, you know, do a two for one deal to bring in somebody who might be better than like say Clay and Draymond and yeah. go with Steph, KD and then some other, you know, superstar. Is that Anthony Davis? Who knows? Like, who says no in that deal? That'd be a fascinating right. question. Right, Kawhi. Yeah, because in Kawhi, a vacuum, like, if, yeah. if Kawhi wants out and the Spurs could get Draymond Green and Clay, like, you'd say, what? like, okay, hey, let's do it. I, I would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Done. You know, if you were... I am if, Team Clay. I mean, I'm the number one fan club guy, but... Look, after he had the interview with the Asian television station, yeah. and apparently they weren't speaking <laughs> English, and they handed him a hard hat, and they someone explained to him that this is for worker of game, and he was so pumped... And that he was like laughing. He thought it was the coolest thing ever that he won worker of the game. But I don't even know if there was a the in there in the translation. And that Tiesto, was it a Tiesto song where he loses his mind when he was over in China that summer? Yep. I, I think he might be the best dude you'd want to hang out he with. He is. And league. you know what's funny about Clay too is like the, all the post game interviews and even when they were down 3 2 to the Rockets. That he has a course like going. Well, that, but also, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people who are fake cocky. Yeah. He was, he could not have been less phased by being down 3-2. And I think out of all the, all the four guys, he was the one that was the most calm. Like, yeah, you know, I'll figure it out. We'll just probably win at home, then we'll win in Game 7. No big deal. Yeah, when they're not playing well, then yeah. you go, this is them, they're just so... But it was so genuine and believable. Yeah. yeah, but wouldn't you believe it, too, if you were one of those guys? If I, I mean, if I was him, yeah. By the way, Jordan's salaries, real quick, year to year, 84-85 as a rookie, 550 grand, 630 grand, 845 grand, then his first bump up in a contract, 2 mil, 2.5, 2.5, 3.2, 4 mil, 4 mil, 3.8, 3.8. So 3.8 in 1995-96, and that's the first year when he had come back there. Um, then he jumped up from 3.8 million to 30.1 million. So back when Jordan was getting 30 and then 33, that was insane. But nobody, nobody was like, I mean, if you had TV shows back then, the way Jordan would have been talked about would be very similar to what's happening to LeBron. First of all, Jordan would have gotten crushed because he was actually like in the way we crushed stars back when we talked about stuff, the way we talked about it. There was always a Jordan, oh, he's just a scorer, he's selfish, he can't win. I mean, that that stuff went on with him for a long time because it was seven years in. It was seven years in before they won. And then, you know, there would be all sorts, like if he, the, the baseball thing's always great because if he had ever gone to baseball in 2018, if LeBron decided next year, hey, I'm going to play for the Trenton Thunder, that would be weird. And, you know, it would turn, oh, he's a quitter. He's actually not into all these things. So Jordan jumping up to 30 million, even then, even then, like think how long it took to get to 30 million a year again for a player. It didn't really happen until recently, you know, last few years, some of these last year of a of five year deal. Uh, back then, everybody's kind of like, all right, yeah, actually, it makes a ton of sense. Okay. The games themselves. I don't really love the adjustment stuff. When I would have those sports center hits, they'd send me a note the night before and they'd be like, give us your top three adjustments for the Cavs. And I would be like, the off season draft and free agency and trades. That would, that, that would be my adjustment. I, I really, I know it's tough when you're a content guy and if you're writing or if you're on these TV shows and you say all these things, like if you're going, Hey, they should play Rodney Hood more. That probably means there aren't any adjustments. We can talk about trapping more. We can talk about. Um, you know, I thought actually Cleveland extending their defense, and that was one of the things I thought was brilliant about game one, game two, is that Golden State goes, okay, hey, they're bringing this out. They're trying to meet us earlier as we get set offensively. So that was the JaVale substitution because JaVale actually becomes somebody you have to respect more offensively, and you saw that in game two where JaVale's like, hey, just show a little bit and then slip this, and you're going to be wide open. Livingston did it on a late possession, and that's one of those things, and it really goes back to four finals ago where the tide had turned for Golden State where, okay, Steph, you're trapping me, and Steph's like, okay, it took me maybe a game and a half longer than it should have, but now I know, okay, trap out here, outlet pass, and now we're playing four on three the rest of the way. 
And in the case of Game 2, it was a simple understanding. So like, what's happening right now in Games 1 and 2 is what is supposed to happen because they are the better team. We can't hold Golden State up here, put them on this pedestal as a talented group, and then think a Cleveland group that I would say is the worst roster of these eight final teams for LeBron, which I've said the entire time, like that substitution just isn't there, man. Like it's just not there. Could JR hit more shots? Sure. Corver, I think, had taken one through the first eleven minutes that he played in game two. He's not playing a ton either. No, he isn't. And I think they're worried about just even when he switches it slow. But you know, Golden State's actually gonna run this this switch stuff that Cleveland ran a ton of at the end of game one, and it worked for LeBron, but it's also, you know, Steph going, I just have to find a way to stay in front of you here a little bit. So the games themselves, I've been impressed with Cleveland, okay? I actually thought their fight in game two was terrific after what happened in game one, because really this game wasn't decided until about four minutes left, and that's when LeBron sat down. And I'm actually kind of glad it was a blowout, because if LeBron had sat down and they've gotten to nine or something weird, then all day would have been LeBron's a quitter. I can't believe he went ahead and did this. Uh, and that would have been, you know, I think you could have even at least introduced it as some kind of topic, but I don't believe there's, I, I don't think there's an adjustment here. I mean, unless the Warriors are going to have this thing where all of a sudden all these guys miss shots or they find a way to stay with everyone off of Durant and have Durant go back to ISO, but Durant even hit more of those shots earlier in game two than he had been. Speaking of isolation play, I looked at this stat synergy, um, and because, you know, I go through that and use it for the draft and that kind of stuff. And back in the day when I used to uh, be here every day, I would go back and double check stuff. And it's amazing when you watch a game the next morning after you've heard everybody talk and you're looking for certain things, how quickly what everybody's talking about can be true or completely disproven immediately. But on ISO possessions last postseason, so the entire postseason run, so the 2017 title for Golden State, Durant had 37 isolation possessions. That's via Synergy, okay, which is what I've used. In the playoffs going into game two, Durant had 128 isolation uh, possessions. 128. So we're talking, you know, more than triple, less than quadruple. Now, the funny thing is, is when I did our Twitter show, Hoop Streams, by the way, check it out. I'll be at my brother's wedding for game three, but I'll be back in Bristol for game four. The Twitter live feed show. Um, I brought that up and said, can I get a full screen of that? And they go, we want to use a second spectrum numbers. So I get the second spectrum numbers on isolation possessions for Durant. And the ones I get is that it was 50-something isolation possessions for Durant based on second spectrum last year. And it's in the hundreds of 50. It was like in the 150s. So then I started thinking, you know what this always reminded me of? You remember how like Saruti, they would have these stats the next day and they would go, oh, so-and-so missed this many contested shots. Or this team had this many uncontested mm-hmm. shots. I would go, if it was a big part of that game story... I would go back into my office the next morning and track everything, and I would decide like what I thought was contested or wasn't contested. I find it amazing that two really good video you know, databases here that track this stuff have pretty big number gap there, I think. I think it's a big enough gap that you're seeing maybe 20 to 30 more isolation possessions. Like you're both basketball content providers and you see it that differently and that's what it would always surprise me is because then we'll get the info sheet we'll just read it and then i'll go oh my gosh the warriors were you know two for 13 on uncontested threes and then i'd go back and track every one of their threes and i go i only counted seven uncontested and that's always weird to me because i never i would only trust myself what's I, the reason is it because they have different definitions of what it has to jump like depends on whoever's logging that game yeah like a two different two different people easily could see shots as contested, uncontested. And I'm sure like the real basketball guys that have played or coached or listening to the podcast go, it shouldn't be that complicated. Well, yeah, I wouldn't find it to be that complicated either. But then you and I may sit down and say, oh, no, that guy showed there or that's the help or, you know, that's this guy's. But I'm like, yeah, open or not, though. Like to me, an uncontested shot is a guy has a chance to gather and there's no one even getting a hand up in his face. And that stuff would always be wrong. It was always wrong to me. Like I would always go, wait, why are you saying there's this many uncontested? And then. Here's the other thing. Nobody cares. I've already done too long on this right now. And on a radio show, it's even more worthless. Like, hey, are we going to do a pre-show meeting? No, Rosillo's uh, in his office tracking Pacers contested shots because he felt like in the stat pack it was wrong. You want to see how many times Miles Turner was hedging. Yeah. Hey, guys, these numbers are screwed up. (laughs) Thaddeus Young 
did not have seven open shots last <laughs> night. So do you guys want to redo the open or you want to do more anthem stuff? Yeah, got to get that in. Uh, okay. The calls. How do you see it, Sarudi? There's some bad calls. Favoring, and honestly, favoring. I don't I, listen. I don't. I don't think there's any agenda. But like, I'll, I'll give you two examples. Well, all right. So three, including the one that ever in game one with the block charge. Yeah. Like I think it was a. I think it was clearly um, a blocking call. I just didn't really like how the whole thing went down to change it. Right. I, I get why the Cavs would be mad about that. So I'm not even going to count that. But then. Obviously, the one against uh, on Steph, where Steph just runs into LeBron and he loses the ball to bounds, is no call. And the NBA says, says today and tweets out, says, "Yeah, we screwed up. That's our bad." But then there's other times on the when, three point thing where it went out of bounds. Uh, no, 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 no. The one where LeBron jumped up and caught it, oh, kind of near the basket, and they just didn't yeah, call it. Yeah, and then they admitted yeah. today that they, that they screwed up. Yeah, that but was no, terrible. no, no. Then there are That's times yeah. when, like, I feel like the Warriors Clay's good at this, um, but. Uh, you know, it'll be the pump fake and then, you know, the jump into I the, feel like they're actually not calling that. Van Gundy and Mark Jackson were right, and I want that to happen. I wish they called more offensive fouls on that because some of those guys go out of their way to, like, really run into you. But then LeBron did it. Uh, it was, like, in the, in the corner on the, on the other side of the court. I think it was in the third quarter, and it was a no call. So I'm like, why are you giving one to Clay, but you're not giving the same exact one to LeBron? I just think there are weird things. I, and I think there are times, and tell me if I'm insane, and maybe I'm, like, weird guy who just defends LeBron. And maybe he's just really hard to defend. But I feel like there are some calls well, yes. that LeBron just doesn't get. Yeah, I think that it's always the thing when somebody's so physically superior to anybody that's running with him that if he doesn't fall down, then he's never going to get that call when there can be contact. And then he gets called a flopper, yeah. even though he, like, he kind of has to oh, sometimes. He's, a flopper too. And he's he, not as bad he now. Is. As you get older, you actually start to flop less, unless you're Derek Fisher, because it's just you don't want to keep falling down all the time. Um, Fisher used to do this thing where if it was a one-on-one free uh, like a fast break deal, he would just dribble into whoever the guy was in front of him and then flail and throw the ball. And he got away with it for like three years. It used to drive me nuts. But, yeah, when you get a little bit older, you just get sick of falling down all the time. The LeBron play where it looks like he's going up as a wide receiver and comes down with it and keeps his balance and Van Gundy was getting mad about it, like, yeah, that's a blown call. But at that point, like, and I was tracking it because I was going back and forth with somebody about it, is that the Warriors are called for twice as many fouls. Clay's, I think Clay... It, I, was it the seven-minute mark of the second quarter? Those are the first th- free throws for Golden State in the game. So if you're telling me certain calls aren't going a certain way, that's fine. But it's not like the Warriors aren't being called for any fouls. And the free throw discrepancy was almost even in game one. And I don't know, over time, it started to kind of blow things out numbers-wise. And I didn't. I can go back and double-check it. But last night, it was still advantage Cleveland. I just, you know how I am. You know, it's... If every major sporting event is the worst officiated thing we've ever seen, and that's how it plays out in social media, whether it's a Super Bowl, it's a national championship, Georgia fans, oh, we got screwed. Oh, you know, I can't believe this with the Patriots. Oh, the, you know, the Eagles did this, or oh, you know, the Patriots got a call here against Atlanta, and on and on and on. I've been reading Stanley Cup final. Oh, the refs have never been this bad. Oh, here we go again. You know, the Warriors plus the three refs and all this stuff. You go, wait a minute. Here's how I see things. It's kind of like my quarterback in the first round thing. Is it that everybody's stupid and nobody's good at drafting quarterbacks and there's a way to do it that would be far more successful? Or should we go, yeah, it is a coin toss because there's just things that are hard to evaluate and we don't really know until you're in a pro camp and then you're out there on Sunday running around. Can you get to your second and third read? Can you handle pressure? Can you can you handle all the intricate things of being an NFL quarterback? I'd like to think I'd be able to project you, but... It's a coin flip. Like, we can't figure it out with you guys. Half of you will be busts, okay? I, that's what I believe. I just accept that is that's how hard it is to evaluate that position. What I also believe is that there are really screwed up calls that it can feel like are leaning one way and favoring a team, but I don't think it's done with intent. And if we think that every primetime sporting event is loaded with bad calls and that the officiating just sucks and that that's the outcome all the time, or could it be like that's just the job? That's how I see it. That's just the job. And, you know, look, the block charge thing drives me crazy because I think nothing should be a charge, okay? But I also hate that offensive players are allowed now to do this Heisman stiff arm deal. So you're like, wait a minute. If he can ward me off and the guy's got a 7-4 wingspan, like what the hell am I supposed to do? You let him carry. You let everybody just offhand me the entire time. Well, I, I, now I'm almost more pro-charge because it's like you got to give the defense here something. Like in the offensive player who can dribble into a screen and fall down on purpose, like Chris Paul does, and get free throws, and you're like, how, why, why would you, why would you reward that stuff? 
Yeah, I love so, the guy that gets caught in between the screen too. Like, I, there's been a few times where like the guy is like trying to defend the screen. He gets caught in between, pinned between the ball handler and the guy setting the screen. He's the one getting hit, and he's called for the foul. Yeah, so that drives me nuts. And I, but I think what happens is, and I've noticed this more and more, is the the calls the announcers rail against, and the calls that we have time to see replay after replay, then that becomes the narrative of the game as if, oh, remember that one call? Like, the guys that are arguing about the Cavs not getting any calls in game one, there's two other strips of the Warriors get called for in fouls that nobody brings up in their argument. So if you're truly neutral, you would say, okay, the block charge thing drives me nuts, the LeBron strip that was clean, the George Hill play that was clean, that's BS. But if you really wanted to try to present the entire story, like I'm convinced of this, is that I could go through any game and I could put together a a mixtape of 10 to 15 plays that would make it look like this team is being screwed, and then I could do the exact same thing and sell you a completely different story on the other side if I wanted to waste my time to do that. And that's just where I'm at. And you know what? The block charge thing sucks, and it sucks that he was outside of the restricted area. But then when you're an announcer, you know, not an announcer, but when you're a dude like me and you're like, he's four feet outside of the restricted well, he's not four feet outside of it. It's like two feet. And I can understand the official getting that wrong. And Monty McCutcheon, who did that piece on ESPN.com, is like, look, I'm trying to see body contact. I'm trying to see position. I'm also trying to pay attention to the shot release to see if there's contact up top. And then I'm also trying to do this checklist of seeing if somebody's feet are positioned the right way. Like, that's tough to do for any human being. But you would hope one of the three officials would say, okay, I'm going to pay attention to his feet. So uh, something that shouldn't have had to go to review and should have been called on the court but then it's like, okay, so if you're mad that they overturned it, but you think it was a block, then what you're really arguing is that you wish that they could keep getting it wrong. And here's the deal, man. Make a free throw, George Hill, and don't forget to score if you're J.R. Smith. That's the deal. And then the other stuff, the video that's come out where LeBron, after they lose and it's going to overtime and he doesn't talk to anybody, that's a bad look. Like You're basically saying, okay, mentally I'm washed. And it can be. He can score 51 and be incredible. But the 51 does not absolve him of kind of mentally checking out there. And you can see the rest of the team. Like, okay, what are we just do, going into scolding mode here? And that, you know, look, I love LeBron, but I don't, I can understand his frustration at all. But like, sulk for two minutes, but you have to go back out there and play in overtime. And then once they get back out there, it's, it's done. And the thing that concerns me, and look, the Cavs aren't good. Okay, they're good enough to get through a weak East. They're not good enough to beat the Warriors. Weird stuff would have to happen. If it were 1-1, I'd still feel the exact same way. But the Cavs had a player forget the score of an NBA game when it wasn't even a chaotic moment. It was with time, stopped, and free throws. And then the other guy, Hill, misses the free throw. Those screwed you up just as much, and really, I think more. Hill makes the free throw. I understand Golden State's going to get possession afterwards, but... Like, if you're the Cavs and you're like, we're sick of this, everybody's out to get us, like, we've had it with these refs, dude, your guy forgot the score. That doesn't happen a lot. Bad calls happen, missed free throws happen, usually guys know the score of an NBA game that they're playing in. We'll do Golden State 5, and let's get Rosenberg on to talk a little hip-hop. Nothing better than two white guys, same age, talking rap. Okay, Rosenberg, your thoughts on, I hate being bipolar, it's awesome. Um, that specific statement, or that's what we're calling the project? Uh, well, I guess that's what we're calling the new Kanye until they change it again, right? Or some new, some new seven songs, 24 minutes. Yeah. So, well, let me start with the good. Let me start with something good, which I haven't done a lot of. I think Kanye has struck again in terms of an interesting idea, which is these seven song albums, right? It's kind of a cool thing. You know, people usually think of EPs as four or five. And then they think of albums that these days people have been doing like 10, 11, 12. But there is a lot of upside to a seven-song project, um, and I think that's cool. Um, That being said, I've been quite vocal about the fact that I am just not in a place to be particularly interested in Kanye. I'm I'm just annoyed. Uh Uh-oh. So so I'm not really listening to it. I just don't feel like I have. And I've heard a couple that I'm like, oh, these are pretty good. I could see myself enjoying these one day. I'm just not really in the mood to hear them right now. Okay, so that kind of segues in perfectly to my theory on this. If he hadn't gone, and look, a lot of this stuff is very calculated, and he's smart at creating 
a stir around him right before everything's about to come out. I mean, he did the same thing prior to Pablo, and I think that's kind of the Kardashian influence. It's like, okay, let me go nuts here for a week or so, have everybody talking about me. Oh, and by the way, a new album's coming out. I mean, that's obviously been a big yeah. part of the beef records that we heard back and forth. It's like, oh, by the way, there's an album drop coming up. Um, if he hadn't said, and I think the the real killer line here is that slavery is a choice when he went crazy on TMZ. If he hadn't yeah. said that, do you think more people would be saying they like this album and arguing the uniqueness of it? So the people that normally would be kind of pro Kanye creatively, well, those people are so pissed off at him that now everybody's trashing it. Uh, I think there's some of that for sure. Um, I think there are people that, you know, like Ebro, for example, my co-host, Ebro is not musically just doesn't think it's great. Like he thinks it's too short. He thinks it just sounds like all over the place. Um, you know, it, which I understand. Um, but here's the thing. It's impossible for some people, myself included, I think to separate those things. So, had he not done that, how would I be viewing this project? I think I would have thought it was cool. I think I would have thought it has pieces that I like about Life of Pablo. It has pieces that I like about um, a, a few of his last projects. But let me put it this way. Your best analysis of this album puts it where? It's still nowhere near the top. Like, there's no world, no world in which these pretty solid seven songs, let's say even you love four of the seven. Where does that put it? That doesn't put it near graduation or college dropout or my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. It, you're still talking about putting it maybe near 808s and heartbreaks and eases. But I, to me, I think it ends up being dead last or near the bottom, no matter how you feel about it, simply because it's so short. And I, and I don't think, from a rap standpoint, it's that great. Like, I haven't heard, and again, I'm so biased, that's why I'm trying not to review the music, because maybe I'd feel differently another time, whereas right now I feel like when I hear it, I'm like, man, did we kind of always give Kanye a pass for, like, not being that great an actual rapper? And right now I don't feel like giving him a pass? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, see, that's... Like, that's the thing I, I think is really interesting, and I'm not trying to sound like some aristocrat here, but... Like art can become the argument that you want to make. And with Kanye, because it's always been different, okay, even if you didn't like it, it was different. And so I feel like people would just stick up for him all the time. And that base, at least creatively, like they don't want to touch the guy right now because they're so offended. And I understand why they're offended. Like what I loved about what you had done, I think it was years ago, and it was still kind of like P. Kanye. And you're just going, dude, this guy's at a different level. But I don't think anybody would argue he was a better actual rapper than Kendrick Lamar or some of these other dudes, right? Like, that's never been right. the argument. But, mm -hmm. you know, when was it facts when he came out and talked about how, like, Yeezy jumped jump man and all that stuff? Like, you just yeah. you just came right out of the gate day one. You're like, this song sucks. It's trash. And I was like, yes, somebody finally said it. Because, like, you start to do that thing where you kind of, if it's a dude you're always sticking up for, you kind of talk yourself into liking stuff because you're confused that you don't like it. You know, I'm glad you, and I'm glad you mentioned that because you as killed I... killed him because it's an awful song. And, like, I love him. It's an him. awful song. It's an awful song. And, and, it, it, and it was a moment when it seemed like he didn't have anyone. It, it's similar to right now. It's It's when he had, like, people who were not, you know, being, let's to reference another Kanye song that was great, were not being real friends. And they didn't say, dude, this sucks. Yeah, we get it. It's really cool because you did start out selling Jordan, and, like, all of that's interesting. But you, just having a song where you're yelling it, it's not artistically good. And, uh, you know, as I continue to fight with these sycophant idiot children online, about, you know, who, who refuse to see any negatives about Kanye no matter what, it's like they don't realize how flawed he's been for so long. I mean, Kanye is a dude. Kanye, I think I told you the story afterwards. You know, Kanye is the same dude who basically dissed me at Fife's Memorial. Yeah, do this. Okay? Tell the story again. That's and I and I really haven't said this much because I, I don't say what you've never said I'm, before. I'm, yeah, say what you've never said before. <laughs> but I'll say no. I'll say it to you because I've, I've hinted at it. But I just haven't said it on my show because I don't want people to think my issue with Kanye is about being bitter because, frankly, it's not. I loved him after that. But to make a long story short, at Fife's Memorial, you know, where uh, myself and a bunch of other people much more important than me all spoke about Fife, um, 
he, when he got up and spoke, which I thought it was so cool that he was there, not only did he use the moment to kind of be like, I don't know what Peter Rosenberg was talking about, and basically diss what I said during my tribute because I had compared A Tribe Called Quest to Led Zeppelin, and that I also compared, compared Tribe Called Quest to Bob Marley and to the Beatles. He took some sort of offense to that, which I... Which, which seems particularly interesting right now, particularly interesting considering the way he sort of views race in this I don't even notice or want to talk about race, because beyond race, I could not understand what he could have been offended about with the simile, because the comparison to tri- between Tribe and all these groups was me saying they're the kind of music that's so great that teenagers from now until forever will discover their music when they discover great music. And I I felt really the entire room understood what I meant. But anyways, not only did he do that and sort of just take a dump on me for no reason, which was fine. What was the line? He (laughs) He just said, we don't need Rosenberg or something. Yeah, he he goes, Rosenberg, it's fine. He's like, Rosenberg was saying something before about Led Zeppelin. Nobody wants to talk about Led Zeppelin or something like that. And it was kind of cool because it was like such a Kanye-ish thing to say. But at the same time, yeah, like, I'm come like, on, man, dude, what are you doing in this moment? And then after that, that wasn't it. He went on during the memorial to talk about like his clothing and the not being set. <laughs> he went on a like just completely self-centered, babbling Kanye moment. Where you're like, dude, do you have no vision that this is not, like, the time to do this? And it was telling about sort of who he is. And, I mean, just to be clear, it was I've had times when I've had, you know, disputes with artists that I've been thinking of, that I've been really upset about before. That was not one of them. I, I was not, like, but frankly, every interaction I've ever had with him, has been sort of weird and off-putting. And literally, I still buy Yeezys. I still go to the concerts. I remember defending him intensely after one of his concerts because I was at a bar afterwards and some girl was like, um, I'm just so sick of his like diatribes and he rambles on about clothing and blah, blah, blah. And my wife and I had just left the concert. And even though I did find all of that sort of annoying when faced with someone else who I saw to be an outsider dissing it, I, I instantly leaned towards defending him because you love Kanye. He's ours. He's hip hop. He's the same Kanye who said George Bush doesn't care about black people, like has done all these really important things. So like it's, I'm not predisposed to coming down on him. And in fact, I'm not writing him off permanently. I'm just saying you never instead of really addressing the slavery comment in like a really thorough way, he's just shifted the conversation to like this. I think I could be a hero of mental health issues. That's how I see it. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, when he has the line where he starts that one song where he actually says like, you thought I was crazy when I said that about slavery, like you should see me on a crazy day or whatever. And you're like, well, actually, I don't know, dude, like that might, we might be better off not having it. I mean, there's, there's like super racist guys going, yeah, I even think that's a reach <laughs> that, that, that this is a choice. Like, I, I, you know, I understand what he's saying. Like, yeah, you know, so the, the thing about the music, okay, the music itself, the reason I've always liked him and the reason I think I still go back to Life of Pablo and like it more and more is that he has an ear. There's like, I like melodic stuff. You know, I don't like stuff that doesn't, I know this sounds simplistic, but I'm, I like so much stuff. But it has to still, it has to still have something melodic to me to get me excited about it. And the funniest thing about this whole deal of what came out is there are these songs where the first 30 seconds, I love every part of it. I like the music. I like the chorus. I like the intros. The intro on Wouldn't Leave, the guy singing, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. And it's this soulful thing. And I'm like, oh, I want to keep. And the, the downer of it is, is that it actually, every time the song gets worse, is usually when he starts rapping. Well, that would certainly be a downer as a rap artist. <laughs> All right. Hey, I know you got to run. Um, tell us about your, your new show with Complex, because I know you're pumped. I know people give you a hard time about one of your interview subjects, 
but I actually thought it was kind of funny. So uh, I, I don't want this to well, be a plug as much as I want you to explain to everybody what you're doing because I'm, I'm psyched for Okay, you. well, yeah. So, so basically what I'm doing is I got an opportunity from Complex to do kind of like my dream hip-hop late-night show, which we're, honestly, we're eight episodes in. Um, we have four left. My guests the last four weeks are friggin' awesome. Um, it, 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 we're still figuring out what this format is. And I think at first we're like, oh, it's going to feel sort of like politically incorrect, but hip-hop, and it's going to be... And we've realized over time what we're doing is just figuring out what this is, and I think we're getting much closer but, but what it has been is, like, really awesome interviews week to week. And, like, the thing you're referring to, for example, which a lot of people on social media crushed me for, yes. was interviewing the Catch Me Outside girl. And It's Cash Me Outside, first, isn't it? What did I say? <laughs> Just kidding. I thought you said Catch. I, oh, it's, it's Catch Me Outside. Sorry. Yeah, catch, yeah, yeah. No, catch I, me look, I'm That's, kidding. I'm, like, making a correction that I don't even know what I'm talking about. No, she was no, the girl that was on. The, she um, started on Doctor Phil, right? When she was just the white girl with yes. the red hair that just went crazy, right? And now she's everybody. Yeah, pays attention and, and, to her and but I, but at first I was like going to be like very opposed to doing things like that, and then I was like, no, dude, like I want this show to be like interesting things that are happening in hip hop. And if you like watch that interview, for example, which I got crushed for for doing it, I it was like one of my favorite interviews I ever did because I didn't really have an agenda. I sort of just listened and was like, let me just figure out what this is. And people decide they hate it afterwards. That's fine. If people decide, oh, she's just a little girl, whatever. But that was just one example. But we, it's, it's been, you know, I, this week we have Vic Mensa on the show. And it's the first time that, you know, he has obviously a long history with Kanye. Um, and, and I love interviews like this because he's not in the middle of a press run. That was sort of the, where I really wanted to get was like I needed to get to a place where people want to do the show and you're not getting them when they're doing promo. You're just getting good interviews with people. Right, and, and that way they're not—they're not just wrapped from the whole dude, deal. Like they just look at you and, and, and it's, oh, and it's it been off. much more challenging than I would have thought. Like I know all these people, and you call someone, you're like, "Oh, I'm friends with this guy. They'll do it," and they're like, "Oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, we're gonna make it happen." But like, "Oh, I'm not doing press right now." And it's like, "No, no, dude, that's not, that's that's the point. I don't want you when you're doing press." So to make a long story short, it has been a super. We always you you always tease me for how much I work. This has been the most work I've ever done because every episode requires a lot, and um, I love I love where we're where we're getting. And the last four weeks, the guests we have, including the season finale, which I haven't said what it's going to be yet, but we have an awesome like A list hip hop guest to end the season. Um, it's been cool, dude. So if, if if yeah, for for your peeps who used to enjoy me on uh, when we did shows together, it's on YouTube.com/slash/complex. There's eight episodes up. Go binge them all. ASAP Rocky's on there. Um, random ass people are on there, but it's always really good. Awesome, man. I'm proud of you and I'm pumped. And I only teased you because I knew I wasn't going to have you every day and you weren't going to move to Bristol. So who are we kidding? So everybody still wants, you know, to, everybody wants to blame I, me I, that I, for all, like somebody brought it up again recently. And I was like, you know, he wasn't moving to Bristol, right? So whatever. You know, um, you know listen, if you say that to make yourself feel better, you never know. Maybe I would have moved to Bristol. You never, you never know, Ryan Rosillo. You never know. Never know. All right. Yeah. You know what? I shouldn't say that. I want to ruin your contract negotiation leverage. Yeah, exactly. What the hell are you doing? Uh, Anyways, um, don't be a, don't be a stranger. Let's talk rap on random occasions. Yeah, no doubt, man. Thanks for joining us. Later, dude. Peace. Peter Rosenberg, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I got to go to you because you always have Drake one. Like, give no, me no, your no, top no. five. Give me your top five guys. Who are your guys right now? Yeah. <sighs> See, I don't even know if I've ever had. Six, I, don't, I don't have a list. Yeah, no. Uh, Lil Zan, T. two. I don't have. I don't really have like a running list. I do like Drake, and I think I think Kendrick is very overrated. Um, so I guess you know I disagree with Rosenberg in that fact. I mean, I've always been a Kanye the, guy. The, the Kendrick that I told you to check out, not yet. I'm gonna send it to you right now. Please do, because I'm I'm, so I'm open. I'm not. It's not that I'm like not willing to. I I really liked uh, Mad City, and then I didn't like anything after that. Um. So and you, but this is the one you said. This is before Mad City, right? Yeah. When you're sending me, so I don't know. I I, I guess I, I admit Rosenberg, Mister. He's like the greatest guy going. Blah 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 blah. And yeah, I, but he's like that's his whole thing. Like my Golden State Warriors. It's thing. like Will saying, "Oh, Durant's going to be you know the next. He's going to pass LeBron. He's he's invested in that take. Like he's rooting for that take. You yeah, know? yeah. And I get that because I, I it's not like I haven't done that either. But. When you're at the IPO of a rapper or an athlete, like you're really annoying about it moving forward. Yeah, like you're that guy. He's your guy going yeah. forward. And it was Paul right. Pierce and Will on, on KD, and I give him crap about it every day. But um, I'm a yeah, I'm a Drake guy. 
Listen, I think he's good, but I get. Oh wait, I, but, you don't have you don't have an iPhone, do you? I don't. No. All right, I'm just I'm it's about over, to be back on that life. Look, though. overly dedicated. The Kendrick Lamar thing from 2010, I think, is incredible. I, I and no one ever talks about it. Like people think that Mad City's his first thing. And it's just, it's not. I listen to this thing. I go back to overly dedicated more than any of his stuff because it's. I can't believe how good this stuff is. I can't believe it. So I think you got to. Your whole he's overrated. That's you just being annoyed that everybody says he's the best. Because well, I don't know how he's I didn't overrated. think the like, butterfly. I thought I I thought that like was the music. boring. You didn't I just like thought it was yeah the, kind of the cool different stuff he no. was doing. See, yeah. I didn't like damn. Like it took me. I, I went. I don't like. I didn't. I like to pimp a butterfly better than damn, and I didn't like to pimp a butterfly. So that means I like damn less. I didn't. I didn't. I don't know. That, All right. I mean, loyalty. You know, it's catchy. Blah 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 blah. Uh, yeah. It, 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 I don't didn't know. Do anything for me. The section eighty thing. Um, like one of my fa- one of my really favorite songs that Kendrick, came out but... in the last few years, rap rap uh, tracks. I love backseat freestyle. Lo- that's my favorite. I love that song. Okay, so, so who's it's not your like guy I hate right Kendrick. Now? You like Drake the most? No, um, I mean honestly, like I don't. You know who I love right now? This might be embarrassing to admit. Post Malone's album is fire. I find myself fire. every time I look at a Post Malone video, I go, you know what? Maybe this guy's got it all figured out. Do you I like don't to call get him, it. Do you call him Posty to your buddies? No, I don't. No, I don't. I I was listening to him on Sirius XM on the he was doing the Governor's Ball thing and he was giving up his like speech of you can be whatever you want, blah blah blah. I don't understand how like a guy who looks like that. He has like a pretty good voice. Um, he's got some good. That's a good album. How about and I was we, shocked by it when, when we were watching that video of him singing? Uh, what the hell was that song? He was what was he singing? He was singing some stupid poppy song and he was just you know he had a couple of cigarettes going maybe, oh yeah maybe a sidecar a whiskey and he, he just seems happy i don't know yeah like everybody you know i thought about killing you is the first song on kanye's new deal and i really like the music to it i love the music to it and then it's like okay wait a minute now see, I'm, should i hum it in the background can i do that do it <laughs> i i really i really only like one track off of Kanye's album. This all right, I'm gonna hum song four, wouldn't leave. Alright, so I'm done humming it. That Good last, job by you. That last part, like I'm like, yeah. Like that's some D'Angelo Prince. Like it just I don't know, man. And then guess what? It doesn't the rest of the song doesn't sound like that. Um, okay, let's, let's get back to the hoops. We'll do this right now after, after we get a quick word from our sponsor, Dollar Shave Club. Okay, you know how much I like these guys. Everything works out great. Okay, the razor show right up. I obviously shave it down a little differently, but I've been handing them out to my friends, even though I don't have a ton. Um, they have everything you need to get ready in the bathroom. You know that they own the bathroom. And the thing I always tell anybody, like if you're just dudes are bad at mailing stuff, but if you owe somebody something, like maybe you broke something at his house or you, you know, your credit card was declined, your buddy had to cover something like a bar tab or something, nothing better than a dude doing something cool for another dude. Or if all the women that love this podcast have a little guy that, you know, maybe funds aren't super optimal right now. Sign up, send them five bucks worth of Dollar Shave Club stuff a month, and you're going to think, oh my gosh, this girl's incredible. And you know what? I need to stop looking in other directions. She's oh, My true love has been right in front of me this entire time. That used to happen in a lot of 80s movies, where the guy would be like chasing the cheerleader the whole time, and then this dumpy girl with glasses and pigtails all of a sudden would turn into like an eight. And he's just like, hey. And she takes the glasses off. Yeah. like, whoa. Yeah, and I'm not talking she's all that. Like, that's a ripoff. Like, that storyline has been played out a bunch of times. But that could happen if you're a woman listening to this podcast and this guy's just not paying enough attention to you. And then all of a sudden, he's going to fall in love with you all over again. Um, they have everything you need. I'm partial to the uh, lavender deal. You know that because you just, just body wash it all out. You relax, calming. Dollar Shave Club. Delivers everything you need to feel and smell your best and look your best. Shampoo, conditioner, body wash, toothpaste, hair gel. Even a wipe that'll leave your tush feeling tingly clean. Big fan of their amber lavender calming body cleanser. Never smelled anything like it. Good luck finding a product that great at the store. All of Dollar Shave Club's products are made with top shelf ingredients that won't break your budget. You'll feel the difference. Plus, shipping is included with your membership. And here's a great way to try Dollar Shave Club's products. For just five bucks, you get their daily essential starter set. It comes with body cleanser, one wipe Charlie's, their amazing butt wipes, 
their world-famous shave butter, their best razor, that's the six-blade executive, keep the blades coming for a few bucks a month and add in shampoo, toothpaste, or anything else you need for the bathroom. Check it all out at dollarshaveclub.com slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N, dollarshaveclub.com, that's slash Ryan. Here's the thing, if you add a couple things to the box that shows up every month, you're going to go, man, things are tight. And we're going to have some sort of real estate market correction in the higher-end markets. You know, something you got to worry about. And then you're going to start, start like adding to your box a Dollar Shave Club. And then you're going to total out and you're like, that's all it costs? The shave butter, one wipe Charlie's, razors, and some toothpaste, and hair stuff. You're like, man, I'm doing this all for like under 20 bucks a month. Dude, you can do it for five. Okay. So uh, I just want to have a little fun with this Warriors thing. And because Surudi's a, a voice I trust a lot. I think he's built for this stuff. And this would be a classic after the finals are over. Hey, it's the Rosillo show. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? This would be something we would do. And I think you should use this, steal it. I think other shows should steal it. It's not like the most creative thing I've ever thought of. But if you had to take a current NBA roster, okay, so all players that are not on the Warriors and put together a starting five, what's the best starting five that you can come up with? And I don't think it's just about, oh, here are the next five best players in the NBA. I need these guys to work together where I think they could take four or seven from the Warriors. So you can have any player that's active in the league that's not on the Golden State Warriors. I'm afraid we have the same exact list. We have not shown each other the list. I ran mine by Will. He somewhat agreed. I think there are four guys that are must-haves. I have four locks, and I can't figure out who and I, I want to love my fifth. fifth. I love my fifth. Okay, all right. I want you to go first, then. LeBron. Anthony Davis. Chris Paul. Kawhi Leonard. I think that's the four. Kawhi Leonard. I would put him on, yeah. Because I'm not worried about it. Do you not have him? Kawhi, I think what I did is the healthy version of it. Yeah. Like if you want to do, exactly. oh, Chris Paul's going like to get hurt. Next year, if this team yeah. is going to fight the Warriors. Yeah, because there's a way to do this. Like I remember going on with Greeny where he said, hey, well, what if LeBron, Kawhi, Paul George, and Paul all go to the Lakers? Because I was saying like there's no... And whatever, like what happens if the Golden State wins this, then the guys that are signed to those sports center hits, then the producers will go, Hey, uh, right off the top, we're going to ask you what offseason moves do other teams need to make? And they used to hate me because I'd go, There aren't any. There aren't any. There aren't any. Like I can, let's think of something different. And they'd be like, No, no, we need you to come up. And I'd be like, So you just want me to do like fantasy team. You want me to turn bad trades off of NBA Live. Is that what you want me to do? Like I can't do that. And then Greeny was like, Well, what if all these different things happen? We're not even using those rules. We're letting your 12-year-old brother, like when I would show up and I'd be like, why do you have Brady throwing to Randy Moss? Although that ended up happening. Um, all right, so those are your four. What was your four, though? I thought about Paul George, but playoff P and everything so that happened you, this year really turned me off. You can't. <laughs> Even though everybody loves his shoes. Paul Beta George? Yeah. <laughs> Will Kane loved that line. Yeah, that was a good me. one. Did he credit me at all with that? I don't know. Actually. I don't. I think he liked it so much he didn't credit me because I was driving around in L.A. It. And I was. I didn't <laughs> mind. I was like, that's okay. But, you know, sometimes you're like, yeah, am I a guy people steal from and don't credit, or am I a guy people credit? But then again, sometimes you don't want to be credited. Uh, so Kawhi, yeah, we're doing a healthy version. Give me your reasoning for those four. Well, all right, so assuming you, you assuming the Warriors lineup is the Hamptons five. Yeah. Right? Right, right. I'm I not, mean, that, that's like, the bigs to me aren't that, I don't, I don't really need, my big is, is AD, and I feel like he's like not even, he, he's, He's like the perfect big for the situation. He can move. He's great defensively. He doesn't need the ball. He's a good shooter. Um, so he's the perfect big. And the rest, I'm just going to pick good wings who are like basically guys who are great defenders and who can switch on almost anything. Cause that's the thing. Like those, that, that Hamptons five lineup switches everything and they're incredible. And it's not just the offensive thing. It's the defensive thing too. So, um, Chris Paul is a no brainer because I think, I thought he was awesome that series before he got hurt. So I'm going to go ride with him. Cause, and plus I think he wants it the, the, he and LeBron probably want it the worst to beat this team. Um, Kawhi is a no brainer. He might be the best all around guy in the league when he's healthy, uh, offense and defense. And so that's, that's the four. I don't, do you want me to sneak the, the fifth one in no, here? Right I, now? Want you, I want you to wait because okay. I have the same four. I figured. I mean, it, I I'm, I'm worried that our five is the same guy. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be. So, you know, at first I go, I might want to go LeBron as the big, but I don't want to do that to LeBron. I don't want to, I don't want to do that where he's the biggest guy out in the court the entire time. You know, these are our five. And then you say, well, who's coming off the bench? But if you're just going with the starting five, you got to go Anthony Davis. And the best part about Anthony Davis is he can switch on to smaller guys and he can stretch you. So whatever five, if you're going with a five, who's a four, you know, cause Davis, you could argue is a four, but he was kind of a five with the way they close things out the same way Duncan was really a five, but 
what you're doing is you're going, if I have a big that's playing out there, he has like the primary thing he has to do is he has to be respected from the perimeter. So that's mm-hmm. why you could make a little bit of a Joel Embiid. I thought about it, but then yeah. I was like, where does he fit in? So if you're going Joel, he's just not Anthony Davis yet. He's just not him. I mean, that's, that's what I love the most maybe of any playoff story this year is that Anthony Davis like reminded everybody, like you guys know what I am, right? When I'm like healthy, like, you know, I might be the best player in the league right now. So, Anthony Davis, we're in agreement. He gives, he checks all the boxes that I need from a big that's going to be able to stay out on the floor with these guys. So that way I'm, I'm staying big, but I have a perimeter big who can also play inside. LeBron's the power forward, or you can make him a small forward. It doesn't matter. Kawhi, no problem. I thought I was going to get killed for putting Chris Paul here because I'm the Chris Paul guy, but think about it. He can play off. He's an incredible shooter. There's a fight in him that is beyond some other dudes. And when he gets switched, like he's going to be able to hang, you know, like just because Durant got switched into him and he has the height advantage on that shot, like it doesn't mean that Paul's not fighting him there. So I need somebody that's really good defensively and can shoot. And, you know, I don't think he's going to dribble the air out of the ball when those are his other teammates. And that's the other thing is like, I got shooting with Davis. I can't put a non-shooter in this five. I can't. I need to spread you out more than you spread me out. And you can do it. And Houston did prove that with much lesser players than we're talking about right now. That fifth spot, no way to Westbrook because he's going to screw no it way. up. No way. Not happening. If you play the game. I you, love him. No way. If you put Westbrook on this crew, you don't get the game. <laughs> I wouldn't put Harden out there, nope, even though no I, way. I thought about it a little bit and I went, what if you're like, look, the other four guys are great defensive players, and in this spot, all you have to do is take open threes. That's the pro-Harden argument. But, I don't know. Now everybody's going, I can't believe you guys haven't said Giannis yet. No way. I'm not, I don't want to put a guy that's not going to stretch the floor. Yeah. Okay. He's, he's not going to be my primary ball handler, so he's not on this team. Okay, so it doesn't who, make any sense. Who else have we not put on yet? So you... You didn't even think about like any other point guard then, right? I thought about Damian Lillard. I thought about it a little bit too. But I like my guy better. All right. The thing with Dame Lillard is defensively. What you don't, you never know. And it's the same thing with Kyrie. Oh, no, you know. That's the problem is you do know. Then it's a, I'm so glad you brought up Kyrie because I go, man, they're the same shot maker, all this stuff. He was better on defense this year. But then I kept thinking, I need someone at this position that can hit open threes. And plays defense. And if I can add another body that I can have him switch onto multiple players. I think we have the same guy. I don't think we do. <laughs> Who do you have? Jimmy Butler. Oh, wow. So you went with Butler greater than because of his mentality over Paul George. Yeah. I think he would be a pain in the bleep to play against. I think he fits perfectly into this team. He can handle the ball if he wants to. But he doesn't need to. He can hit threes. He's defending anybody that's on the floor for the Hamptons Five. I love, I love it. it. I love it. I put Paul George. Okay. I actually, because I go at this point. Look, I don't think you need him. That's my thing. Well, I think you need. I, I'm. I'm. I want more defensive. I want more defensive. I want a guy. I'm more worried about that. I'm not. I'm not worried about scoring with the guys that I have. If I'm looking at it here, and I just to double check here. George, 40% for three this year, 39 last year, 37 the year before, 41%. So the last four years, we're talking about a 40% shooter from three. Now, you want to talk attitude and fight and that kind of stuff? Jimmy Butler's got it over him there. But if we're looking at three-point shooting, he's 35, 37, 31, 38. George is a better shooter. I think George is capable of playing better defense than Butler. But then, like, if you go back two years ago, Butler was the better metric guy. Like when they were doing those all NBA teams, Butler was actually in that group. Of like mm-hmm. 50, like he was, he was the better player there. I would have to think between Paul Davis, LeBron, and Kawhi that I don't have to worry about Beta George right now. All I know is that hey, dude, you're going to have a million open shots. You're 40 percent shooter out there, and when people switch into you, you know we're we're not like I love having those three small forwards. So do you think? Did you is Butler over George for you? Definitely. Because I just don't. Did you have somebody ahead of George too that you didn't take instead of Butler? I don't think so, off the top of my head. I think I honestly think I would have. Because for me, you know what, it probably would have been Paul George. Because I don't, you, I don't think you need more offense here. I, I think you, I think with LeBron, Anthony Davis, Kawhi, and CP3, like I don't think, I don't think you're you're starving for points against. No, this team. but you need like I like that I have all this length. I like that I know both those guys can shoot. 
You know, I got a little more size there with George. Because then I started doing the whole thing like, oh, do I just put a shooter there? And you go, well, I don't need J.J. Redick out there. I thought about it like, yeah, do you put him out there? Do you put, you know, I don't even know who, who else. Yeah, and here's the thing about Beta George is that at that point he'd like, okay. Be he's me. the fifth guy. Yeah, yeah. he's like, <laughs> yeah. cool. <laughs> he'd be fired up about it. Yeah. Sweet. Well, P is back. <laughs> no one knows that I didn't score tonight. doesn't matter. Uh, the other thing you could argue is you go Carl Anthony Towns and Davis and then just keep LeBron, Kawhi, and Paul. And then you try to do this twin tower thing. But Towns isn't good enough defensively no yet. No way. He didn't, I, he didn't even cross my mind. I, I, I'm worried about him. I don't know. I just... Isn't it funny how quickly it changes? It's it happens so fast. I know. I'm not just, worried about him yet. I come on, man. He, it, the, I, his, he's got he checks a lot of boxes off, but like the defensive thing makes me scared. He's what the I mean behind Butler on that team. He's you know he's he's obviously ahead of of, of Wiggins. Yeah, I don't know. Wiggins I'm just as upset about it. I just feel like he's one of those guys that like I you love the idea of, but then he like when you see him on the court, you're like, yeah, he's I don't know. He just never really takes that next step. Yeah, but just remember, we're a year removed from ninety percent of the GMs thinking they'd start their team with Towns. And I think that was wrong though. I, well, yeah. Davis had been coming off a of health yeah. stuff, but all right. So hit us up with yours hashtag Rasillopod and. I like these things because every now and then somebody will put something together that I'll go, oh, you know, I didn't really think about it. I wonder if even like the hardcore Westbrook fans who hate any anti-Westbrook thing would agree on this one. They're like, you know what? This is probably the kind of team you wouldn't want Westbrook yeah. on. Actually, I want to go back real, real quick. I'd rather put – I would take Embiid over Anthony Towns in that situation. Yeah, but I would be I would be worried that you go, oh, hey, we're going to put two huge guys against this Hampton Five and we're just going to – I wouldn't want to do it, but, I, but if he was the but, big, that's the big I would do. Because he, I think he's Embiid more athletic. And, so you go Davis yeah. and Bede and then Towns. Yeah, that's actually, you know what? I, I would agree with you. I'd agree with you on that one. That's the funny thing about the, this Warriors team though. It's like, it's not, it's not just that they're all great. No. They fit perfect. Like Clay is the perfect. Clay in this situation is like, he's like a better version of Jimmy Butler, right? He's an incredible two-way player, hits clutch shots all the time. And he's just, he's just on there. He's their third option. It's stupid. And he doesn't get super mad at his coach. All right, that'll do it. That's a good pod. A lot of different stuff. Covered it all. Even a little for the culture. Uh, I will be off of hoop streams for game three. Shout out to my brother, Vaughn, for getting married. And I'll be back. So I'm flying back to L.A. for 36 hours, I think. And then I'm coming back to Connecticut. And we're just going to see what happens. If it's a sweep. But if not, I might just hang out West Hartford again. We need people, a life update, too. Yeah, people were a little freaked out. Like, I went to the gym that I used to work out at, and the guys are like, wait a minute, where have you been? Or, hey, you haven't moved? Like, no, I've been gone, I've been gone two months, dude. There was a manager here who came in and goes, he isn't, he's not in L.A. yet? Like, already? I was like, no, 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 he's back. He's doing hoop streams. It's all good. He's there. Yeah, because when they asked me to do the hoop streams thing, I said, yeah, I'm down. Let's do something. NBA Finals? I like the NBA. Good fit. And then they go, the other shows, we've, we've switched studios. We're not going to do them in L.A. anymore. We want to do them back in Bristol. Like, how do you feel about that? I went, uh, pretty yeah, yeah. I was like, whatever. I mean, look, you would know. You'd be able to, like, if I didn't want to do it, but I did. I did want to do it. So it was kind of, yeah, it was definitely weird, like, yesterday being here, walking around, because you go, when you leave, you go, maybe I'm never going to ever come back here. And then you're like, maybe I will. But um, here I am, two months later. But, yeah, walking around town, it was kind of funny, and staying at a hotel in the town that I lived in. So, you know, people are like, oh, you still get your place here, though, right? Like, how rich do you think I am? <laughs> yeah, just Like, I'm just going to keep my West Hartford crash pad. Just in case I ever move to Connecticut again. Yeah, like, I wouldn't want that expense even though I did a decent job on this seven-year arm. But uh, life update stuff, really, I don't know. I hate when people do the whole, oh, i got so many great things cooking. But things are really moving. The professional stuff that I moved out there for the last few weeks have been uh, much better, much better on the stuff that I'm doing. So I'll admit the first script I wrote, there was a lot of people that were like, eh. But it actually got me a gig onto something else. And then the second one I wrote, I think I already did this. I already said this part, right? That people liked the so second I'm, one. Yeah, yep. right. So I'm on a third thing that I'm working on now, but it's something I've actually been hired for. So um, that's pretty cool. Dope. But yeah, uh, I can't really announce anything. And the second thing that people like, like I'm definitely not sharing that idea because it's good. So, you know, there you go. Um, but yeah, I don't have my house yet. So I don't even know if that's going to happen. And so if this ends up not happening, I, uh, I probably... We'll travel a little bit more. So we'll have to see how the podcast, the ISDN lines work from New Zealand. Nomad Airbnb, Rosilla. Yeah, I know. Which, that stuff, when you're, when you're living out of the bag and you're like, oh, this is a cool theory. I'll just check out some towns. Save the jokes. 
and (laughs) (laughs) um, you're like, yeah, you know, I'll just kind of, you know, hop around. Like, that's what I've done for so many summers. I'll be like, "Ah, I'm just going to go do this or I'm going to go do that, you know, and then uh, it gets so expensive. It gets so you're like, wait a minute, what? You get your credit card bill and you go like, how did that happen? Like those $15 smoothies add up. Okay, that'll do it for us at Ryan A. Rosillo. Tell all of your people to subscribe, subscribe their phones, um, because we need to uh, keep growing this thing through the rest of the summer. So we've heard that speech before, so I'm not going to keep doing it, but so far, so good. All right, thanks to Saruti. It's great to see you, man. I will see you. We'll probably try to do one. Uh, I don't know. It depends. If the thing goes game five, then we'll definitely do another one from here. But if we don't, then maybe a finals recap, off-season preview, little draft stuff. I don't know if anybody's using it for any of the draft stuff, so I don't know that I'm going to write 70 scattering reports this year. Uh, you know what? I already know that I'm not. So there's some breaking news. All right, I'm rambling now, so I'm going to say goodbye.